Well, praise the Lord. Glad you're here this morning. How many want to talk about politics in church this morning? Well, we're going to give it a whirl anyway. You know, you might wonder, why in the world would a pastor want to talk about politics? It's so divisive. Well, I'll tell you, you've heard from news commentators, you've heard from politicians, you've heard from candidates, but you hadn't heard, I don't think, perhaps uh, from a pastor, someone who devoted their life to try to teach people the Bible, and uh, that's what I want to endeavor to to do today, and uh, I hope you'll you'll open your heart to me today. Um, In America today, well, when I voted, uh, I early voted. How many have early voted? Yeah, me too. Uh, I early voted. In Texas, I had four candidates for president. Uh, They tell me Arkansas has 13. And uh, you've got quite a a range. There's several dozen political parties in America. But there's two main parties. Uh, This little donkey represents the Democrats, or what we call the political left. Uh, This represents this elephant, the Republicans, or the political right. And I've put the Bible over to the right because I want to suggest that both parties have walked away from you. Uh, You'll find that uh, there's issues in the different parties that that, that agree with biblical principles. But we don't have a Christian party in America. We don't don't have someone that would qualify as a pastor in America or a spiritual leader uh, running for most any office. But yet uh, the Bible speaks to us about these issues. as a pastor, I'll tell you what motivates me to speak about political issues. Uh, Paul said this in Ephesians, or Acts chapter 20, verse 27. He said this to the Ephesian church, and uh, he said, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. In other words, when he spoke to these believers, another translation says, I've told you everything God wants you to know. Now, that's a big, big statement, and I certainly don't presume to know everything God knows. But yet, how many know the Bible contains the Word of God? The Bible is the Word of God. And we can look in the Bible to find guidance uh, for everything in our life. Not only how to function in our marriage, how to function in our business, but how to interpret the culture and how to vote. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, speaking of the Bible, it says, All Scripture, or God's Word, is inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong. So we're going to do our best today. I I believe as a pastor I have a biblical responsibility to uh, talk about these issues. Uh, Well, it's not my place to tell you who to vote for, but uh, I'm going to teach you what the Bible says. And uh, I hope that it will uh, inspire you to vote biblical values. We're going to do this over the next two weeks. Uh, Today, I'm just going to deal with one issue. I think it's uh, that profound. Next week, we'll look at six or seven. Uh, We'll just compare the parties to the Bible, and and we can decide. But there's a lot of issues that are out there. Uh, You know, I mean, issues on the environment, uh, issues on the future of the oil industry, issues on immigration. Uh, If you're a college student, you know, issues on student loans. Somebody promises to pay them, and all those are important. But I want to suggest to you that biblical issues should be at the top of the way that we view what's going on. Now, I need to say up front, it's hard to separate personal opinion from biblical truth sometimes. And I know that we're probably going to disagree on some things. And I want to ask you up front, if we disagree on some things, will you give me a little grace? Will you give me a little grace if we disagree? And uh, you may be wondering what my, this little rope is here. Well, this is in case we experience turbulence today. This is my seatbelt. 
on the airplane here. And uh, I don't know if we've installed any under your chair or not, but if you feel a need for it, uh, just reach down and, uh, and try to find that seatbelt. But let me say this. Uh, before we're Democrats or Republicans, we're Christians. I'm going to say that again. I'm not going to let the politics of division in America separate me from you as a Christian. Because there's nothing more important, there's no candidate more important, there's no political party, there's no uh, issue that's more important than you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we give the Lord a good, a good hand for that? Um, today I'm not speaking in about an official church position, but uh, my, my, my personal convictions. And uh, I certainly hope that you'll see the biblical connection. But this uh, a pastor's voice in culture... Uh, I think is vitally important. I would even say that one of the reasons America is in some of the trouble that it's in is the voice of the pulpit has been silent in much of America. Uh, Charles Finney, if you've ever heard of Charles Finney, he was one of the great preachers in the second great awakening in America. Uh, that's what we hope will happen in America, not just an election that goes our way, whatever that is, but we're hoping that God would visit America. Uh, I was a, uh, became a Christian in the 1970s. Uh, it was a part of the Jesus movement. And the Jesus movement began on the West Coast and swept across America. And it just caught up young people. It caught up hippies. It caught up people that were searching for truth in life. And I believe the same thing can happen today. But listen to what Charles Finney said. Charles Finney said, if there is a decay of conscience in the individual, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the pulpit press, that's the media, Lack moral discernment. What's it say? Pulpit is responsible. In other words, the responsibility of the pastor to speak into the, uh, uh, those in media. If the public press lacks moral discernment, pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, pulpit is responsible. If the world loses its interest in Christianity, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible. And if our politics become so corrupt that the very foundation of our government is ready to fall away. Yeah, I believe that. And not because pastors in any way are controlling, but pastors have a responsibility, Christian pastors, a responsibility to convey God's word to people. Uh, how many know there's a difference between right and wrong? Right and wrong are not individually determined. Right and wrong are determined or set in place by God. And our choice is to embrace it or reject it. Um, today, as I said, I'm going to talk to you about the most important issue that we're facing. And I want to suggest to you that we have uh, wrongly called many issues in America today political that are not political, they are moral and religious. How I many know the issue of abortion is not a political issue? It's a moral issue. It's a biblical issue. How many know marriage? Uh, a man and a woman. Uh, our, our gender. Did God create us male and female as the Bible says? Or is it open to discussion? These are not political issues that the church should divorce herself from. How many know even issues of immigration? How many know it's possible to bring together lawful immigration and compassion? I mean, uh, the Bible speaks to the issues of the day. So the things that I talk about, I don't see them just as, as political issues. I see them as moral and biblical issues that God has, a, has an opinion on. But the one we want to talk about today is what I've entitled my message, The Future of Freedom in America. And the way we're going to do that, we're going to talk about four things. First, we're going to lay our foundation about the biblical origins of government. Then we're going to talk a little bit about history. We're going to talk about our founder's view of freedom. 
We're going to talk then about culture, about the disappearing freedoms in America and what could happen in this next election. And then we're going to talk about something that perhaps you have not thought about to a great degree, but we're going to talk about socialism and communism uh, and its role in the future of America. So I think this will be intriguing today, and I hope it will be uh, educational and insightful for you as well. Let's begin Genesis chapter 2, the biblical origins of government. First form of government was what? Self-government. That means we're individually responsible and accountable to God. The Bible calls, well, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. And this is where we go to understand how things started. Well, Genesis 2, verse 15, in the creation of Adam, it says, The Lord God took Adam and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Notice now, the Lord commanded Adam, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Think of God as the governor. He makes the rules. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat, you shall surely die. In other words, you'll be separated from God and all the pain and evil come, comes into the world. So here, Adam was given a boundary by God, a rule to live by. And Adam made a choice that he would not govern himself, that he would not be in control of his own feelings or emotions, but he would go beyond self-government and disobey God. Um, the definition of self-government was simply the power to control our actions. Uh, it has to do with self-control and our will. And uh, this, is, this was the foundation, as we'll see later, uh, of our founders. Our founders believed in this twofold idea of self-government. Self-government, number one, it, it is that uh, it's the reason, you know, that we treat people kindly. Uh, it's the reason that we don't respond with violence. We're governing ourselves. But the second idea of self-government, you can read this in Webster's. Uh, Webster's talks about the responsibility of the American people to govern ourselves collectively through our elected leaders who are there to protect our God-given rights. Well, uh, after Adam made his big boo-boo, people then began to govern themselves apart from God. And if you look in the Bible, if you follow from Adam all the way up into Noah, how I many know it was a terrible thing? The whole earth was wicked in the, in the sight of God. And the whole earth was judged because they failed to govern themselves according to God's patterns. Now, if we would, could jump ahead to what I think is the next most significant thing about human government, it's found early in uh, the nation of Israel. Now, if you looked in uh, Genesis 14, the time of Abraham, you would see that there were kings throughout the earth. And these kings were, whatever you want to call them, pagan, heathen, they were against God's ways, and they probably ruled by power and force. Uh, they didn't have democratic elections like we do. They were strong, or they had the resources or the soldiers, and they governed by force. But now as we look into the nation of Israel, she's followed an interesting journey. She started there in her evolution. She went through Abraham and the, the founders. She ended up there with uh, Jacob, and they end up in Egypt. Moses takes them from Egypt to the promised land. Um, uh, um, uh, Joshua takes them into the promised land, and then they're governed by judges. But all this time, you have a, a, a godly man, not just an elected president, but you have a godly leader that's submitted to God. Now, something changes during the time when Samuel is a judge and a prophet. Here's what the people said. They said, give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. And the Lord said, they don't want me to be their king any longer. Now, up to this time, Israel had what's called a theocracy. 
And theocracy is a form of government of a state that's under the direction of God. Uh, the, the nation is governed through prophets and priests and elders. And that worked fine for Israel for a season. Uh, but look at verse 9, and this is kind of where the heart of the message is. God told uh, uh, Samuel, do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. Now, when we say king, I want you to think in terms of a government that's an authoritarian government, a totalitarian government. We'll talk more about this. But listen to these words. This king is going to draft your sons and assign them to his chariots. Some will be forced to plow in his fields. The king will take your daughters and force them to cook. He'll take away the best of your fields. He'll take a tenth of your grain. And he'll demand the finest of your cattle for his own use. He'll demand a tenth of your flocks. And you'll be his what? His slaves. And from when that day comes, you're going to beg for relief from the king that you're asking. Now listen to these key words again. What's this king, this authoritarian leader going to do? He's going to draft, he's going to assign, he's going to force, he's going to take, he's going to force, he's going to take away, he's going to take, he's going to demand, he's going to demand, you're going to be his slaves. Um, other nations were ruled by these authoritarian, totalitarian rulers, kings, dictators who ruled by force. Uh, today I'm going to call uh, the authoritarian or the totalitarian government communism or socialism. Um, and I'm going to suggest that communism and socialism are basically the same. You say, well, now, Pastor, I don't know if you're right on that one. Well, think of communist Russia. Who are they called? The USSR, United Soviet Socialist Republic. I even asked Siri. I said, Siri, tell me the top ten socialist leaders in the world. Guess what the first one she said in her sweet little voice to me? Joseph Stalin. Second one, she said Lenin, both leaders of communist Russia. Guess what the third leader, socialist leader, she told me was? Uh, um, Chairman Mao of China. So I want to suggest to you that though they are different, if you were to uh, be in a sociology class or a government class, they would define socialism, democratic socialism. Uh, they would define communism, and, and they would define uh, Nazism, uh, a little bit different, see, and nuanced. But I want to suggest for the purpose of our conversation today that let's just take an umbrella and let's think of authoritarian and totalitarian forms of government. All have these things in, in, in common. In communist China, for example, uh, that communist government decides how many children you can have. Uh, you know, recently they've torn down eight to 900 crosses on Christian churches. Uh, you know why? Because the communist, the socialist, doesn't have room for God. The state is God. Um, Bibles are forbidden in communist, in many communist lands. Uh, here's, here's a picture of a Portland, Oregon, where they're burning Bibles. Not only are they burning the American flag, but they were throwing Bibles uh, on, on a bonfire. Um, churches are forced in, in uh, China, they're forced to sing songs about the communist state. Because you see, there's no room for God in socialism or communism. You might have wondered as you've watched America over the last 20 or 30 years, why is there this pushback against God? It started in the 60s when our Supreme Court said that we don't want kids praying in schools. We don't want commandments posted in schools. 
and we started pushing away from God till today God is kind of pushed out of the public square but not just any God particularly the God of the Bible it is Christianity that's at the forefront of this because here's a principle the more powerful government is the less personal freedom we have now uh, in case you're wondering what we're talking about let me give you a modern-day example in California they're governed by the political left uh, the governor's name is Governor Newsom and uh, here's what he says for Thanksgiving first of all if you want to have Thanksgiving with your family he's going to allow you to do it but here's the restrictions you're going to have no more than three households can be together no one's allowed inside the house unless you go to the bathroom families must socially distance and wear masks must gatherings cannot last any longer than two hours and there's no singing allowed at Thanksgiving. Does that sound like a governor? Or does that sound like an authoritarian king? Now I can understand in the coronavirus when it started there was a lot of unknowns. Our doctors didn't know how to treat us. We were uh, afraid we wouldn't have enough ventilators. Uh, our main concern for the closures of society was so that we would preserve hospital space when people got sick. But you know what? That's behind us now. We still have, we're having a spike right now, uh, in the, the, our paper told us today, here in our Bowie County area, uh, I follow our hospital capacity every week, but it's different now. They have a regimen of drugs, I mean, it, we know how to social distance, but we know how to quarantine. Uh, there's a, it's different than it was when it started, but Governor Newsom seems to be going forwards for a different reason other than just COVID. Um, and let me let me talk now about American history. Talk a little bit about our founding fathers and freedom. These men, they're getting a bad rep uh, in today's world, but these were the men that gave us the longest lasting constitutional republic uh, in the history of the world. Uh, this is a picture of the Constitutional Convention, and if you know the story, uh, they're gathered, the war with England is over, and they're trying to decide how this new nation is going to be governed, and they were at an impasse. But history records that Benjamin Franklin, Google it, you can look it up, Benjamin Franklin asked the members of that convention, and they said, uh, they said uh, um, uh, we prayed when England, we were at war with England every day in this room. He said, but we hadn't been praying now. And they went back to praying, and shortly after that, they gave us the Constitution that has guaranteed freedom to more people than the world has ever known. Now, here's the deal. If America chooses a path that takes away freedom, it will affect not only us, but it will affect generations to come. As America goes, so goes the world. Christian Americans, I want to suggest to you, have a responsibility to stand up for freedom because if we don't, no one else will. I call on history again, and I want to show you a picture. Uh, there was a pastor in, in Germany during the time of Hitler. His name was Pastor Martin Niemöller. He was a Lutheran pastor, and uh, would you look at a couple of pictures? Has anyone been to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C.? I'll tell you what, it, it was amazing, wasn't it? Uh, my wife and I went there. Uh, they had truckloads of shoes that were from Jews before they were incinerated. It was just a, an eye-opening experience. But here was a picture of people in concentration camps, and, and here was what's on the wall of the Holocaust Museum. It's the words of this pastor. And he said this, now mind you now, he was an open critic of Adolf Hitler. And uh, uh, Hitler didn't, didn't just start out as a world conqueror. Hitler was going to fix the problems of their nation. 
I mean, and he just slowly arose until finally he took over the state police, like we have our state police. Well, he took them over, and they came the police of the, of the Nazi party, the SS. Um, here's, here's what uh, this pastor said. He said, first, the Germans came for the socialists, but I didn't speak out because I was not a socialist. And then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I was not a trade unionist. He said, then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. And now they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. And I want to suggest to you, friends, his words should echo through our ears today as we pause to think about what's going on in America. Now, before I talk about modern culture, I want to go back to our founders just a little bit. Because America's founders rejected the authoritarian king of England, and they chose self-government where the individual would govern his or herself, but also where we, the people, would govern the affairs of our nation. Uh, the power uh, was held by we, the people, in early America in our Constitution. Uh, we would elect, elect people to protect our God-given rights. And we use words like representative democracy, constitutional republic to describe our government. We don't use the word dictatorship, tyranny, or, or monarchy. Um, our founders were submitted to God in government. Listen to what our second president, John Adams, said. John Adams said our Constitution was made only for a moral and a religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Now, they didn't demand that you would be a Christian. The freedom of religion demanded you to serve the Lord or not. But yet they realized that if we didn't have internal controls... See, this is what's largely missing in America today. In America today, violence has become normalized. If I don't like what you're doing, if I don't like the hat you're wearing, if I don't like the, 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 uh, uh, the yard sign you have about a candidate, uh, I'll burn your house down. I, I read the other day where there were some people in the Northeast, uh, they were afraid to put up yard signs because people had threatened the neighborhood with letters uh, saying that they were going to uh, destroy their property. We've lost this sense of self-government of our own selves, but uh, it, it, it also extends to governing ourselves. Now, I'm going to suggest that if the political left gets in greater power in America, we'll begin to have the tyrannical power of socialism and even communism. You say, now, Pastor, you're going too far today. How many Arkansans in the room? Let me see your hand. Okay, you may remember in 2004, you voted on a constitutional amendment that marriage would be between a man and a woman. And that's not a political issue, that's a moral and a biblical issue. 75% of you passed that, but in just a couple of years, one federal judge said, we're not for that, I don't believe in that, that's not constitutional, and he threw we the people out the window. See, that's why the concern should be now the whole conversation about packing the court whether you're on the political right or political left, uh, there's a danger in that because if the voice of the people doesn't matter and what matters is the people at the top, the top in government, the Supreme Court, what do we have? We don't have representative democracy. We have tyranny. We have an authoritarian government. Uh, the, uh, listen to our Declaration of Independence. It said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And people would say today, well, no, they weren't because slavery came in and slavery was a part of America's past. It sure was, and it was wrong. But can I tell you this? The Constitution made a way so slavery could be done away with, and it was done away with. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Except for modern-day sex trafficking slavery. Well, guess what? You say, well, that Constitution didn't give women the right to vote. 
Uh, you're exactly right. But it gave, it gave the people a way, we the people, to vote and to decide that that was wrong. And then women were elevated to the proper status that they should be elevated to as citizens in America. So the Constitution, in a sense, is, is a document that gives us, as American people, we the people, the right to adopt to our modern times, still living in its boundaries. But notice what it said. All men are endowed by their creator. That's God with certain unalienable rights, and that's important. An unalienable right is a right that is given by God and cannot be taken away by government. And listen to what it says. The first right was the right to life. The second right was the right to what? Liberty. Now, if people obeyed the Constitution, do you realize we have to have conversations in America that if a baby is born alive after a botched abortion, we have conversations in our government today about whether that baby is going to receive medical care or not. And as euthanasia goes forward, this right to life will disappear. But what was the second right that we have? The right to liberty. The right to freedom and the pursuit of happiness. And listen, this is missing in America today. To secure these rights, this is the purpose of government. Governments are instituted among men, deriving their power from the consent of the governed. Let me know that's us, and the power is we the people. Government's role is, is to protect our rights, not control every aspect of our life. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand. Look at our Constitution. It starts out by saying, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union and to secure the blessings of liberty, of freedom, for ourselves and our posterity. In other words, they wanted us to be free. They wanted your children to be free. Uh, our founders believed in limited government. The second president, John Adams, says liberty, freedom, must at all hazards be supported. We have a right to freedom. And that right comes from our maker, which is God. President Ronald Reagan, the greatest president of my lifetime, said, I hope we once again have reminded people that man is not free unless government is limited. As government expands, liberty contracts. Now let me get you, give you some examples today that you may or may not see some, uh, some uh, personal opinion in. If you do, uh, send me an email. Send it to mike.olmer at churchontherock.org. <laughs> And I'll be happy to communicate. No, send it to me, John.Miller. Uh, but I want to suggest to you, freedoms are, uh, is at risk in our culture. Um, let's talk about the freedom of religion. And, and, and my greatest concern is the direction that the political left wants to take us. And I'm going to put my seatbelt on now. But let me give you an example first as we talk about the freedom of religion. The first guaranteed freedom in the Bill of Rights. If you live in the state of Virginia, you've got a problem. In the state of Virginia, three Christian schools and a network of Christian pregnancy centers are suing their attorney general, and they're suing him because there's been two laws that have passed by, the, by their own state legislature, signed by their governor, all on the political left, and these laws uh, are calling in hiring for a Christian to violate their sincerely held religious beliefs or pay a $100,000 fine. And that's where the force of government comes in. If that's not enough for you, let me, let me tell you what's happening in our Congress right now. Our, our House of Representatives have passed a bill called the Equality Act. There's been 48 senators on the, on the political left that, have, that want it to be voted on in the Senate. 
and what it will do is it will, uh, is it will gut what's called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Maybe you've never heard of that, but that was passed by President Clinton. If you remember, uh, Chuck Schumer, unbelievably, he was the one that brought it to the floor. And what it did during the, when President Clinton was there, and this is, what, 15 years ago or so, religious freedom in America was beginning to be suppressed, and everybody saw it. So what they said is, we want to protect the rights of religious people uh, 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 in a stronger way. For example, rights of conscience. If I'm a if I'm a, a, a pharmacist and I don't my, it violates my conscience to give someone the morning after pill, I shouldn't be forced to give that pill. Let another pharmacist do it. Uh, if I'm a nurse, uh, I shouldn't be forced to participate in an abortion if I believe abortion is the taking of human life. That's the freedom of religion. That's the right exercise of our conscience. Well, this is the, what our founders guaranteed. Well, here's what CBN says about this Equality Act. He said, if you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman and God created us male and female, you will be persecuted and prosecuted as a racist bigot. It will force public high schools, now listen, it will force public high schools to grant teenage boys who identify as girls access to women, girls' locker rooms and open showers. In other words, your little... 14-year-old girl, and they're taking a shower in there, and they're all conscious of their little bodies, and in walks a biological boy. The government would say, those little girls can't do anything about it, nor can you as a parent. Uh, it, this, this Equality Act would likely end women's sports and women's shelters. A uh, politically uh, a commentator and comedian on the political left, Bill Mayer, he did a documentary called uh, Religious Religious. And he said, religion must die in order for mankind to live. Now, there's a hostility against faith. Listen, if you don't want to believe in Christ, that's your freedom. God gave people the right to believe or not believe. But now, what oppressive governments want to do is they want to get rid of opposition and squash it. And this is the problem. Let me talk to you a moment about another freedom that's at risk. The freedom and education choice for your children. Every parent in this room wants their kids to go to the best school possible, right? I know I did. I moved to a school district because I thought it was going to be the best for my children. Uh, let me say this. I, I, I am thrilled we live in Texarkana area. We have some great schools, both public and private, that are filled with Christian teachers and Christian administra administrators that have made a marked impact on your children. My daughter Bethany's with me today, and she talked about some of her teachers. Even when they teach evolution, they got God in there. Are you with me today? They talked about the foolishness of monkeys and all, and, and all that. But let me tell you how the political right disagrees from the political left. The political right is for charter schools and private school vouchers to get these kids out of the inner city, uh, inner city schools that are failing, tax credit scholarships. But the political left doesn't want any of that. They want to get rid of all private education, including homeschool. It is the political left that wants to not only preserve the right of an eight-year-old gender-confused little boy that thinks he's a girl, but they want to be able to give him drugs to change his physical anatomy, even though the science warns against it, the politicians are pushing it. It is the political left that wants your, your teenage girls to have access to abortion without you, your knowledge as a parent. Listen, you say, well, it's a problem. It is a problem. But that is a little baby. And if your little girl has a baby, we'll love her in this church. We'll do everything we can help her. And if you can't raise it, we'll try to help you find somebody that will raise and love, your, love that little baby. 
But this is a big, big issue of freedom. I thought about talking about economic freedom and freedom in health care or, or the loss of it, but I thought that might be a little too controversial. So we don't have enough seat belt, so I'm going to pass over those. How about the protection of free speech? If you want to know what will happen to free speech if the political left gets power, just look at the censors on social media. How many have either had a link that you sent someone or something somebody sent you deleted? Well, it's happening at an alarming rate. And did you know that all socialist and communist countries, they silence the people who disagree with them? You don't believe me? Remember China and Tiananmen Square. I asked Siri again. I said, Siri, are there any concentration camps in China? And Siri popped up and she told me, said, in the Xinjiang region. I thought that was pretty good Chinese. The Xinjiang region. And I think about this. Over a million people have been in 400 consecration re-education camps in communist China. Now that's staggering, but it's out there. How about this simply the protection of freedom? You know, that's what police and law enforcement are supposed to do. But they're getting a bad rap in America the last few months. How many people in law enforcement in the room? Anybody today raise your hand? I'd like to just honor you today. Give them a big hand today and say, God bless you for serving in law enforcement. Um, police are under attack. And there's movements to defund the police, even in Austin and Dallas. But I ask you this question, where are most of these riots, and I don't mean, listen, I believe in the freedom to protest. Our Bill of Rights gives us the freedom to redress our government, but the Bill of Rights doesn't give us the right to burn down cities. Come on now. Bill of Rights doesn't give us the right to burn up police cars and destroy police, uh, 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 police precincts. This has happened, friends, in cities that are run by the political left. It just, it's a fact that's out there. Uh, there's a congressman on the political left that wants to defund the military. And Jesus said in the last days, Jesus said this, lawlessness will be increased. And that's what we're seeing. Uh, socialists in Congress are promoting the People's Charter. And I mean, no, it's, it sounds like a great name. Anytime the government gives a program, it always sounds great. How about the Affordable Care Act? That, was a, that sounded great, but it didn't turn out great. Well, the People's Charter, you know what it wants to do? Defund every police uh, department in America. And these are people in our government now that are bringing these things to light. All right. I made it without my seatbelt. The bathroom light's on and i got to go again. <laughs> I want to close with this. You know, uh, i got to be honest. I'm 63 and sometimes I forget what I had for breakfast. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, you look like you're about 43 and you forget, forgot breakfast, huh? Well, anyway, uh, something has stuck in my head for about 15 or 20 years, but I heard this, and it's becoming more real to me today. What we're seeing today in America didn't happen by chance or accidentally. It was planned 60 years ago, actually 57. It was in 1963. I was six years old. There was a congressman in the, a federal congress. Uh, his name was Albert Herlong, H-E-R-L-O-N-G. Look him up. Albert Herlong, and what he did is he entered into the congressional record the 45 communist goals in America. Now, you do know we have a communist party in America. You, you, I mean, it's a political, recognized political party. But in America, 50, 60 years ago, I remember when I was a little boy, 
the Soviet Union was, you know, coming, coming uh, in power. She was flexing her muscles. I mean, we'd already fought the Korean War, and who did we fight against? Communist North Korea. Uh, we were in the Cold War. I can remember one of my neighbors. His name was Tom Flynn, and Tom Flynn had a farm, and in the side of one of his hills, he took a bulldozer, and he dug a, a, a shelter because they had parked missiles, nuclear missiles, in Cuba. It was under President Kennedy. Uh, that's, what, that's what America was living in. And he said, let me tell you what the goals are in communism for the future of America. Now, he gave 45. I'm only going to list 10 of them. But I want you to think about politics in America and how these things have come about. Number one, their, their number one goal, it was goal number 15, they wanted to capture one or both of our political parties. They wanted to turn either the donkeys or the Republicans or both of them into a voice for communism. Here's one of the things they have been super successful at. They wanted to get control of the schools. And stated in their goals, they wanted to use the schools, the public school system, as a transmission belt for socialism and communist propaganda. Now I want to ask you a question. I read a poll recently where they said 70% of millennials would vote for a socialist, a Bernie Sanders. Why is that? It's because of public indoctrination in our colleges and in many parts of the country down into our system. How about this one? The breakdown of cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, movies, radio, and TV. Think Andy Griffith and think most any movie you go to see today or most TV shows. How can it be so different how can it be so different? Why is primetime TV so sexualized? Why is the language so filthy? Why can you watch a movie on one channel that still bleeps out the words? You know, you've been watching it for 10 or 15 years and you were in the mood to watch it again and, and you turn it on this channel that just lets it go and the, and the F word is every other sentence. Why does that happen? It's the political left, friends. It's a value system. That Hollywood took on that somebody brought to them. Uh, the 26th goal, present homosexuality and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. If, if you were to, uh, Bethany on her wedding day, she was able to say, I'm a virgin when I got married. Yeah. Well, if she said that in school, to, yeah, praise the Lord, give her a hand. If she said that in school today, or if you're a boy and said that in school. You'd be ridiculed. Heck, you were ridiculed when I was a kid if, 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 you, if you were a boy. But why did this happen? I'm telling you, friends, 60 years ago, a congressman said, this is what somebody's trying to do to your nation. Uh, discredit the founding fathers. Who, who do you think is tearing down statues of George Washington? Who do you think is tearing down? It's the political left, friends. It's this umbrella, not just a candidate, but it's in an umbrella that's attracting this anti-God spirit in our nation. Um, they want to, here's a big one, they want to infiltrate churches and replace revealed religion, that is the Bible, with social religion. They want to discredit the Bible. Have you ever wondered why some Christian denominations are splitting apart over issues the Bible's so clear on? Here's your answer. Um, these last two, I want you to think about the riots on our streets and the solutions that are coming forward. And listen to this. Goal 38, transfer some of the powers of arrest from the police to
to social agencies. Who's calling to defund the police and replace them with social agencies? It's the political left. And here's another one. Create the impression that violence and insurrection are legitimate aspects of the American tradition. Groups should rise up uh, and show force to solve economic, political, and social problems. Think Antifa. Think riots in America. And who are they led by, friends? The political left. So let me kind of summarize this and, and, and before I close. Why should you and I care about the rise of socialism and communism, this um, umbrella of an authoritarian nation where freedom disappears? Well, here's why. If we go to the left, rather than protecting our freedom, socialism, communism, it takes it away. It silences free speech and it muzzles religion. If our nation continues to go in the direction that it's going, one day I'd be put in jail for saying what I'm saying today. In the last hundred years, do you know that a hundred, this is factual, a hundred million people have been murdered in communist countries. A hundred million people in the last hundred years under communist regimes. But let me tell you how it gets a little closer to home. My grandparents and my mother, my mother was probably four, they lived in the Baltic state of Latvia in World War II. Well, in that time, the Russian Empire was expanding. And Russia took over this little satellite called Latvia and Lithuania and some of the other Baltic countries. And when they took over Latvia, you know the first thing the Russian, uh, the communist government did? They came in their homes and they took their guns. You know what the second thing they did? They came in the middle of the night and they arrested all the leaders of the city. They arrested my grandfather because he was the uh, postmaster. And they came in his house and in front of his family and children, they tied his hands together with barbed wire and they put him on a train for Siberia. And I don't have time to finish the story, but by only the miraculous hand of God, he was let go and he was able to find his way to America. Listen, friends, those are reasons why I oppose an authoritarian, totalitarian America, and I hope you'd be in agreement with me on that. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. I want to close with a, a picture we looked at earlier about uh, Parton, Pastor Martin Neimoller, the Lutheran pastor in Germany. He said this of the Nazis, and again, the Nazis are under the same umbrella as, as all the totalitarian. He said, first they came for the socialists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, I didn't speak out because I was not a trade unionist. And then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me, and there's no one left to speak for me. Friends, I don't know about you, but that's today why I'm standing for freedom in the United States of America. <laughs> president John Adams, our second president, said this, and I close, A constitution of government, once changed from freedom, can never be restored. Liberty, once lost, is lost forever. And that's why, friend, our vote is our Christian voice. My prayer is that we'll vote biblical values. Give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of all our praise. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? And we're going to forget about politics a minute. We're going to close in prayer. I thank you for listening to me today. And again, on, on a serious note, I know I'm, I, I had to have said some things that people didn't agree with today, but I ask you to give it a serious look from the Bible. Think about biblical issues 
in, in response. But let me say this. Before we're Republicans, Democrats, or Libertarians, or Green Party, we're Christians. And I want to reach out to you today, not as a political party. Who you vote for is up to you. You're a grown adult. I believe I've done my responsibility today, and Lord willing, I'll continue it next week. But I love you as a Christian. And as a Christian, Jesus Christ binds us together. And how many know the blood of Jesus Christ is the strongest force on the earth? Amen. Could we just pray just for America just a moment? Lord, I want to ask you first, if I spoke anything that was personal opinion and was not valuable, that it would just disappear. But Lord, if I spoke things that were truth rooted in the heart and the counsel and the word of God, let it sink in our hearts. But for this nation, Lord, we take freedom for granted. We take it for granted that we can cross state lines without papers. We take it for granted that we can choose the job that we want to work at. We, we can choose the size of our family. We can choose if we go to church or if we don't or what church. We take freedom for granted. I want to pray that you would preserve freedom in America. I want to pray that, Lord, any corruption that's out there right now, any crookedness, any deception, any evil would be exposed. Lord Jesus, you would allow America to still continue to be a free nation. Lord, where the gospel can be preached not only here but around the world. Help us, Holy Spirit. Forgive us, all our political parties that have turned their backs on God. Forgive us when we've not stood for you. Come, Holy Spirit, today. I'm going to close this way. We're going to have one last song, but I want to ask our prayer team to come to the front now. If you're here today, one of our prayer team, slip on up to the front with me, and we want to give you an opportunity for personal prayer. I think it's a big mistake to come into the church heavily burdened by something and leave with that same burden. There'll be someone here that'll pray for you as they're coming now. And uh, let me say this too. The most important question of the morning, prayer team, come on up if you would. Most important question that anyone could ask today is this. If I died today, am I 100% certain I'd go to heaven? Well, how many know that's, a, that's, that's the question of all questions? Because tomorrow is guaranteed to no one. I'd simply draw your attention to the cross, to, my, to your right, when Jesus Christ said these words, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the uniqueness of Christianity is Jesus recognized we'd all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And there was a way out of our sin, a way to find forgiveness. By believing, following, and trusting Jesus Christ. And you know, it's kind of like becoming a Christian. It's kind of like getting in a, in a cab. Uh, let's say you, you had a cab to pick you up from church today, and it pulled up under the overhang, and uh, uh, it's waiting on you to get in. But how many know you'll never go anywhere until you get into the car? Well, there's in the same way, there's a step to Christ. And that step to Christ is made in the place of prayer. That step to Christ is made by asking Jesus to forgive us and to come in our life and to save us. And if you're here today and say, Pastor, that's what I need in my life today. I need to get right with God. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I've gotten away from God and I want to come back, we want to pray for you. Pastor Mike, one of our pastors, is right here. And if you want to talk to somebody about your spiritual life, if you want to talk to them about getting right with God, either during this song or after, I encourage you to come and, and pray with him today. It'll be the best decision that you've ever made. Listen, we're going to go ahead and do our last song. We're going to close in prayer. If you need prayer, you come. But most importantly, if you need to get right with God, we'll see you at the front. I love you and thank you for coming.
prayer team is going to remain up front. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would love the opportunity to pray for you. Uh, we're going to stay here and worship as long as you'd like to hang out. And uh, for everybody else, I think all the exits are open, so feel free to be dismissed at any time. We just pray that you'd have a blessed day today.